Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Revelations 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw the lamb looking as if he had been slain standing in the center of the throne encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes with Uh, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. He came and looked and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands, uh, And 10,000, 10,000, I don't know if it repeats itself. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them sing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, come on. Hey, let's talk about that chapter today. All right? Before we do that, let me, let me pray. Lord, we give you these next few moments. And Lord, just pray that our ears would be open for what your spirit would say to each and every one of us. Lord, let our eyes be open that we would see you for who you really are in all of your glory, your love, and your power. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, happy Selection Sunday, everybody. Hey, last Sunday night, we had a phenomenal meeting at our Vision Night, and some, a bunch of you were able to come to Vision Night. I just want to say thanks for joining us for Vision Night. And we launched two important things. 
that you're going to be hearing about in the coming days, coming months. Um, but you missed out on a lot of the details of what they are. But one of them is called Disciple Maker, which is going to be a really cool thing in our church. The second one is called Kingdom Builders, which is a new generosity initiative within our church. Like we want to grow as a people of God in becoming more and more and more generous. We want to be able to be generous to our missionaries, to their, their projects, to organizations, and, and just people in our community right here. That's, that's our goal. So that's why we launched Kingdom Builders. And we received an offering Sunday night for our first Kingdom Builders project, which is the weekend mission trip to Mexico this weekend. So a bunch of us are going Friday down to... Uh, what's it called? Rocky Point. And uh, I'm looking forward to going with a bunch of you to Rocky Point this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're going to have a phenomenal weekend down there serving with the church and uh, with Pastor Max Sr., our, our Spanish pastor. And so we received an offering last Sunday night for this because we needed $200 to buy all the food and supplies for a big outreach that we're doing with that church that we're partnering with down there. And so Pastor Max Sr. was going down this last week, and he was going to take some money to them so they could buy all the food and all the supplies so that we could have this big park outreach, do this big barbecue, give out a bunch of free food, a bunch of free stuff. And so we received an offering specifically for that as our first Kingdom Builders project. We needed $200, like I said, and $575 came in for that. And so I just want to say thank you so much for those of you who gave, just being very, very generous. And so now we're praying about how do we use the rest of that for this, this weekend mission experience and how we can just be a blessing to that church and to that city and to those people down there this weekend. But thank you so much. Just wanted to celebrate that with you guys, just so you know what happened with that Kingdom Builders first uh, offering that we received. And so as we do more Kingdom Builders projects in the coming months and in the coming years, we'll just let you know, here's the need, here's what's going on. We want to send this money outside of our church and be a blessing to the world around us. That's what Kingdom Builders is all about. So hey, let's talk about Revelation chapter 5. We're going to kind of talk about both 4 and 5 today, just a little bit about 4, because we, we looked at that last week, had a phenomenal time of just worship after looking at chapter 4 last week. It was a great, great Sunday. And I love Revelations chapter 4 and 5. When we begin to read chapter 4, you're just captured by this moment around the throne where there's just worship happening between the, with the elders and these creatures, and just this powerful and beautiful picture of worship around the throne room that is taking place, even right now. And so you've got the one on the throne. We talked about there's someone on the throne last week, right? And so you got the one on the throne, and then around the throne is 24 thrones with 24 elders. They're, they got white robes. They got crowns on their head. Who are these 24 elders, some might wonder? And nobody really knows for sure. But I would say my best guess, based upon Scripture, is that they represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of Jesus, based upon Scriptures that are coming up later on in Revelation. And so that's, that would be my best guess biblically in that. And then you've got these four living creatures that look all crazy and cool and weird and, and awesome. And like, who are these four living creatures that are on the throne worshiping God? But they are a representation of all creation. And so they are worshiping God. They're declaring God is holy, holy, holy. They've been doing this for centuries, year after year after year. They've been declaring who God is. And then there's this moment where the elders fall down. And they lay their crowns before God, and they're worshiping him. It's just this powerful scene of worship. And, and John describes a rainbow around the throne. There's lightning flashing. There's 
thunder rumbling, and it's just this awesome picture of worship to God in his throne room. I just, I love chapter four. And so Revelation chapter four and five are so, so important. They really go together in so many ways. And what we see in Revelation chapter four are the Holy Father and the worthy son. And these two chapters now set the stage for what's about ready to happen in the rest of Revelation. What we read about here is so important because it, it begins these events. Really, you could say these what seems to be end time events that are about ready to take place beginning in chapter six. But that scene of worship and what's going on here, it's so important that we understand this, the significance of it, and that it's really happening, guys, like right now. It really is happening. This scene that John is experiencing and describing is more real than what you and I see right now in this reality. You gotta understand that this reality only exists because of that reality. It's out of that reality that God spoke our reality into existence. And so that reality that John is experiencing and describing is more real than what you and I are experiencing. It is eternal. It will never, ever end. And so it's important we understand that is actually happening. And John is having an amazing experience. I think it's safe to say here as he's seeing all these things. He's hearing all these things. And then even later on, you're going to see he's going to eat something. He's going to eat a scroll. He's going to taste things. Like this is a very real experience that you see. He's like caught up in the third heaven, like Paul describes in, in Corinthians. And so John is having this moment. And so we got to understand what is happening in chapter four and five, because it sets the stage for what is about to come. So Revelation chapter five, let's go there. We're going to walk through this for the next few moments. Revelation five is a very emotional chapter. You'll see why here. That's what it says, verse one. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. So John is weeping right here, and you might wonder, like, why is he crying? Why does John seem to weep? He's like, I wept and I wept. So there's just, he's continually crying here. Why is that? Well, John seems to understand the significance of the scroll. So chapter 5 opens up with John noticing, oh, there's a scroll on the right hand of the one on the throne. Oh, wow. And now he realizes this must be open because they're looking around. Nobody in the entire, entire universe is worthy to open this scroll. And so John knows this scroll must be opened. This is so important. If God is going to bring about and fulfill all of his eternal purposes and promises that he's already set forth, then this scroll has to be opened. Somebody has to come in and save the day. And he's longing for this so much so that he's weeping and he's crying. You know, it's true that we all love a great story about a hero coming in and rescuing and saving the day, right? It can be very emotional to us. Like when there's tension, there's injustice, something bad or wrong has happened, and all of a sudden some hero comes in and saves the day, you're like, yes, we love those stories, right? 
Uh, case in point, Endgame, for Marvel, all you Marvel people out there, you know, and you get to the end of this movie, and I love all the Marvel movies, they're great, and, you know, after eight to ten years, it culminates in Endgame, and wouldn't you know, Iron Man snaps his finger, sacrificing his life to save the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's this climactic moment that just, it really moves you. It's very emotional. If, you, if you're caught up in the whole story, you're like, oh. And I'll just admit, you know, a tear came, okay? My daughter is sitting next to me. She is sobbing. But here's the thing that really captured my, my attention. I'm sitting next to a grown man. I don't know. But he's not just crying. He is uncontrollably crying out loud. Like, it's not just like the little tear coming down. Like, he is, you can hear him crying. And I'm like, I don't want to catch eye contact because it would be awkward right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm noticing this. And, and then I notice there are grown men all around me crying right now. They are so caught up in this moment as Iron Man saves the day and they realize he's going to die. Grown men are crying in this moment because they're caught up in this moment where a hero comes in. We love that. Uh, If I can also be honest, last Saturday, a week ago from yesterday, I was a little moved by this ceremony that I watched honoring a guy named Coach K. Coach K coached the Duke Blue Devils for decades, winning his coach in college basketball. Amazing guy, incredible coach. Some of you don't care, but I do. Because <laughs> I, I I've, I've actually been a fan of Duke and Coach K since the, the Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner days. I love them in the early 90s all the way through. And so I've admired this guy from a distance. He's just a good guy, good family guy. They're having a ceremony. And it's just, I had chills at times watching this because I'm like, oh, this dude's awesome. He's so cool, and they're just, it's just kind of a fun honoring ceremony that really moved me. You know, we love those, those people that are larger than life, those moments where things seem to change or shift. We love it when someone steps in and saves the day, right? And this is why John is weeping and crying right now. He longs for somebody. He knows somebody has to take care of this. And before he even knows what's going to happen, he's just crying. He is sobbing like, this is not right Something has to be done about this. And as he's crying, all of a sudden, one of the elders walks up to him and speaks to him. And he says, hey, hey, stop crying. Look, here he comes. And so let's look at verse 5 here. Verse 5 says, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So right there we see Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is referred to as a lion so many times in Scripture, but obviously right here especially, which means he's being referred to as a king. A lion is the king of all beasts. But this is significant because this phrase about Jesus has roots in ancient times. You can go all the way back to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 49. And you see the beginning lineage of the Jewish people. You got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some of you have maybe heard of them before. And so Jacob, he has the 12 sons that are going to become the 12 tribes of Israel. And he is on his deathbed and he is praying a blessing and speaking blessing over all of his sons there in Genesis chapter, uh, what is it, 49? Where am I at? I totally lost my notes because um, I got I to read this to you. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Uh, So in Genesis chapter 49, and so, yeah, and and he gets to Judah, and he says something very significant, as you can 
already see on the screen. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. I'm not even sure if Jacob understood what he's saying in that moment as he's just speaking blessing, which ends up really being a prophecy over his son and the descendants of his son, Judah. Because centuries later, now here he comes, the lion of the tribe of Judah that was spoke about in Genesis 49. Jesus from the lineage of David, who was from the lineage of Judah. He is the one that was spoken about in the first book of the Bible. And so what's interesting is that John hears this from the elder. Look, stop crying. You don't have to worry anymore. Here he is. The lion is here. But when John looks, what does he see? Let's look. Verse 6 says this. He says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns, which represent power and authority, and the seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. So John looks to see the lion, and what does he see? He sees a lamb. And from this moment on, we're going to begin to see Jesus is referred to throughout the rest of Revelation as the lamb. And it's important that we understand that Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. He's both. And that might feel or even look like a contradiction and not even make sense. Like, how can he, how can he be both? How can anyone be both a lion and the lamb? Is, that's a contradiction. But there are some very, very important paradoxes in scriptures that we need to understand. And there's a lot of them. Scripture is full of paradox. Like, if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. If, uh, if you humble yourself before the Lord, then he will exalt you. The first will be last, the last will be first. Okay, these are paradoxes, right? When we are weak, then we are strong. Seriously? But these are kingdom principles that seem like paradoxes, but they are truth. We become wise by being a fool for Christ. Huh. We're made free by choosing to serve Jesus. We are Blessed. Blessing comes through giving, not through receiving. All these are paradoxes that are true in Scripture. And so we have Jesus here. He is the lion and he is the lamb. He is fierce, but he's tender. He's the king, but he's also a servant. He's the creator of all, but he also was born of a virgin and lived a Jewish man. He is the judge who will hold all people accountable for their sins, but he is also the redeemer who died on behalf of the world. His wrath is terrifying, but his love is infinite. His justice is furious, but his mercy knows no end. He is both. He is the lion and he is the lamb. And we sometimes struggle with the full character of who he is, but we've got to understand the fullness of Jesus. Yes, he's the most joyful man who ever lived. But on the other hand, he is coming to bring judgment and wrath on the earth. And we love the idea of a loving, gracious, patient, 
God, right? Like that makes sense to us. But we can struggle with, some can even be offended at the idea of a Jesus who brings judgment and wrath. But remember, Revelation, as we keep going through Revelation, was given to us mainly to show us one thing, who Jesus is, and out of that, what he is going to do because of who he is. And he's coming to bring judgment, friends, as we're going to read about in the next couple of chapters. So are you okay with that? Let me ask you this question. Is the judgment of God a good thing? It's important we really wrestle through this. Now, if I ask it this way, maybe it seems different. Like, does it feel like a good thing? If you were talking to a person who doesn't believe in God or Jesus and explain to them the judgment of God, how would you do that? How would you explain, yeah, 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 God's going to come and he's going to like pour his wrath out on all mankind, all this, and it's, but it's good, it's good, trust me. How do you explain that God's judgment is good? I remember John is weeping in this moment because he understands the significance of this scroll. He knows this scroll must be opened and he seems to understand what's going to happen. That wrath is going to be poured out of the uh, the opening of this scroll. Judgment will take place here on the earth. And John realizes that judgment and wrath must must happen. In order for God to bring the full fruition and, and, and restore the earth and restore mankind the way he really intends it to be for all of eternity. First, the judgment must come in order for that to take place. So I think John is weeping because he is conscious of the level of corruption and the level of injustice that is going on in the world, and God is going to make right all the wrongs. He's going to bring justice to all of the injustice. And what's interesting is right now we have a generation of people that are obsessed with justice, but they are offended by judgment. We love the idea of justice and wrongs being made right and all that, but we, and we even demand justice, but we don't want God to do it the way he is going to do it. You know, secular humanism is this thought that we don't need God, we, you know, we're fine on our own, and secular humanism would even say this, that, that justice is, is, is a good thing, but judgment is a bad thing. But the biblical worldview is this, guys, is that justice comes through judgment. And that judgment that the, that the world will see is going to come through a loving, kind, and good God who intends to really redeem the world and to redeem mankind back to him fully. So we got to understand that the judgments of God are all about the justice of God. If you're all for Justice, then really you got to be also all for judgment. Because if you care about justice, then you really do need to care about judgment. And understand that God wants to save and redeem everyone who will believe in his son, Jesus. That is his heart. That is desire. I believe he doesn't want people to experience the wrath that he's going to pour out, but he is still going to do it to stay true to his word. For those who choose to ignore him and reject him, they will experience what God says. This is what will happen. This is what's going to take place. But ultimately, please understand this for all of us, that Jesus, the lamb, offers you a justice you don't deserve. 
because he took your judgment on himself, which he didn't deserve. And that, my friends, changes everything. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing right there. And why did he do that? Because he loves you so much. And he wants to give you his grace. This is why we call his grace amazing, guys. We sang that today, right? For those of you who showed up on time for the first song, we sang about his amazing grace. (laughs) His grace is amazing. And he gives it to you and I, even though we don't deserve it. We don't earn his grace. But when we accept what Jesus, the lamb, did for us on the cross, ask for forgiveness, commit our life to him, he freely gives us that grace. We don't earn it, but he gives it to us. We got to understand the full picture of what's going on, the, the full story of God's story of the gospel. Man was created in God's image in a perfect world, but then man rebelled, man sinned against God. And God said, if you do this, death will enter the world. So Adam and Eve knew before they sinned, before they committed that first act of rebellion and brought sin into the world, they knew that death was going to come. But the devil deceived them, tricked them. Like, are you really going to die? No, 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 no. And, it's, and so they did it. They gave in to the temptation. They, they sinned. They rebelled against God. And death did come. Now, it wasn't an immediate death, but it was an eventual physical death, which is not good. But what's even worse is it was a spiritual death. That relationship they had with God, where they walked with God and talked with God, it was broken. It was severed. That sin broke that relationship. So... What happens is man has sinned. Now man has to pay the penalty for that sin. And this is where the story just gets crazy cool because God did something you and I would never, ever, ever think of, would never dream of. This is why I say Christianity cannot be man-made. Like man-made religions really center around let's do good, let's be good people and earn our way to heaven. Like let's do good things and practice all these principles and we can achieve a state of nirvana or we we have good karma go after the good karma and we can reincarnate it's all this is about earning it's about performance but christianity says this says yeah you've rebelled you've you've sinned you've broke this world but it says god entered our world as a man and he fixed it for us he did something we needed a man needed to come and take care of man's issue So the gospel shows us that Jesus entered our world as a human, and he died that death that we deserve to die. And then he rose from the dead, proving that he is God. And he undid what the first Adam did. Jesus is recalled, uh, he's called the second Adam. And so he undid what the first Adam did. So he did all this because he loves us. And it's important that we don't just believe in God, but we believe in Jesus. Lots of people like the idea of believing in God, and God is a good God. I just want to live forever and be with God forever. No, we've got to believe in what Jesus did on the cross if we want to be with him forever. So in Revelation, we're going to see a judgment and wrath poured out in these next few chapters, next few pages. But please know that God has already taken all that wrath on himself so that you don't have to. Catching the significance of this? You and I don't have to experience the wrath of God because he already took it on himself. Amen? So John, he looks for the lion, and what does he see? He sees a lamb, 
And he describes the lamb. The lamb is looking as if it had been slain, which is so interesting to me. Because even in heaven, Jesus still has the effects of his earthly crucifixion. When Jesus rose from the dead, he came and appeared to a bunch of people. He appears to his disciples. And Thomas struggled to believe. That's why he's often referred to as doubting Thomas. And so Jesus showed him the scars. See, it is me, he said to Thomas. Here's the scars. And then Thomas declared, my Lord, my God, I believe. Yes, you did rise from the dead. I believe you are who you are. But here we are seeing Jesus in heaven, and he still has the scars. There are remains of his earthly crucifixion experience. And we got to understand this. The scars are real because our sin is real. And so here's why I say all of this. Here's why I talk about Jesus and what he did to restore the world and redeem mankind. Number one is because if you've never made that decision to put your trust in Jesus, I'd encourage you to do it today. If you've never asked for forgiveness of your sins and committed to following him, make the greatest decision of your life today. Begin following Jesus. He loves you and he has forgiveness readily available for you no matter what you have done, no matter what you've gone through. You don't have to earn it. You just have to receive it and commit to putting your trust and your life in him. Do that today. Also, I go through all of that so that we fully understand why he is the one who is worthy to grab that scroll from the right hand of the Father. So Jesus, the lion, the lamb, shows up. He approaches the Father. He takes the scroll. And as he takes the scroll, all of a sudden, the elders and the creatures begin to erupt in a song again. It's another song. You see a bunch of songs all throughout Revelation. But this one's significant, I believe, because it's a new song. So let's go to verse 9. Look at this. Verse 9. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. After centuries of declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In this moment, as the lamb takes the scroll, the song begins to change in heaven. And then what happens is this, this shift in heaven is now going to have impact on earth, which is, I just love the relationship between heaven and earth that you see right here in Revelation. Like heaven and what takes place in heaven impacts earth and also vice versa. Did you know that? Like the Bible says that when one person says yes to Jesus, gives their life to Jesus, there's a celebration in heaven. Isn't that fascinating? And it says in the presence of angels. So it's not necessarily the angels. It's like the, the saints, the people that are in heaven. They have a party because they see from heaven that someone has just received eternal life from Jesus. And so they see what is going on from heaven and they rejoice because they, more than anybody else, know the significance of that. And so there's a direct relationship. We're going to see this all throughout Revelation. And so as Jesus grabs the scroll, because he's going to start breaking the seals. And as those seals are broken in the next couple chapters, wrath is being poured out on earth. The judgments are going to take place. But then verse 10 also says something very significant for us. That I think we need to look at it again, because I don't want you to miss this. They're singing this. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign 
on earth. So, what that's saying is this. All the believers of Jesus, the Lamb, are destined to be priests in the kingdom of God. And they're going to spend eternity reigning with God. Where? Not in heaven, it says, on earth. This is one of those clues of what heaven's going to be like, by the way. There are so many clues in scripture about what heaven is like. We'll see them all throughout Revelation. But can I just say, heaven is going to be glorious, incredible, and, and way greater than any of you could ever think or imagine. Heaven is not going to be the unending sing-along in the sky. Which some people like think like, so like we're going to have like an eternal church service in heaven? Is that what heaven's going to be like? Like, uh, that doesn't sound too awesome. Which some of you have thought, right? You've, you've thought this before, right? And so there's so many clues in scripture about what heaven is going to be like. And we'll hit those. We might even have a whole series after Revelation on just heaven. So we can really understand this place that Jesus is preparing for us and wants us to spend eternity with him. And please know this, that heaven is all about Jesus, not you. Heaven will be great because of Jesus, not you and me. Heaven will be incredible and will be worth it because of Jesus. Don't think that heaven is all about you having your mansion and living the dream life. It will be glorious and incredible and far greater than any of us could ever imagine because of the glory of Jesus. So, uh, we won't, more on that later on the series. We won't talk too much longer about that. But notice what is also affecting this movement towards end times events. It's not just, okay, now the lamb has grabbed the scroll. Okay, here we go. The song begins to change. Things are shifting. The lamb's about ready to open the seals. Uh-oh, here we go. But also, verse 8 shows us something very significant. And when he had taken it, the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Huh. Those elders up there holding those bowls, even seemingly those creatures holding the bowls. And what are they full of? prayers that have risen up from earth of God's people, and they are right now filling the bowls in heaven. It's another relationship between heaven and earth and our prayers, and you're going to see even prayers, the prayers of the saints, the prayers even of the martyrs, impact end-time events and what God does. Please know this, your prayers matter. And I believe these prayers aren't just those prayers like, Jesus, would you bless me? Would you protect me? Would you take it? This situation is so stressful. Would you help me? Okay, pray those prayers. That's fine. That's biblical. But I think these are the, the kingdom-minded prayers where we're praying, God, let your will be done. We want to see you glorified. We want to see your eternal purposes take place in my life, in my situation, on this earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, Lord. These are these kingdom-minded prayers that have risen up to heaven and are filling these bowls right now. And these are part of the, the this, these prayers are going to begin to stir the events of the end times as well, which we don't always think about our prayers beginning end times events. But that's just fascinating. Your prayers matter. And I think that prayer of come Lord Jesus, 
come now, it, it seems to be increasing on the earth right now. With everything that we've been going through, there's just like this, okay, Lord, we're ready. Would you come now? Would you come now? Those are the types of prayers that are filling the bowls right now that are going to eventually tip the end time events for the lamb to grab that scroll. And here we go. So your prayers, they matter. And it's important that we pray these kingdom-minded prayers. So then let's read these last few verses here of Revelation chapter 5. Isn't this a good chapter? Oh, man, guys. It's a pretty good book, too. Verse 11, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. That's a lot. If you want to do the math, go for it. They encircle, they, they, John has seen this multitude in heaven, these angels. And they're circling the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. All creation is singing this to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. What an amazing scene. Just a, a, a passionate picture of worship and prayer in the throne room of God. So in chapter five, here's what we see. We see the worthiness of Jesus and the worth of Jesus. He is worthy and he alone is worthy because of what he did. He is worthy to take that scroll and open the seals. And he is worth all of our praise. He is worth living for. We see the worthiness of Jesus and the worth of Jesus. So this is chapter four and five right here. And it sets the stage now for what's gonna happen in the coming weeks, the coming chapters here of the opening of the seals and these end time judgments and these wrath being poured out. And as we go through this, here's what we continue to see, especially here in these two, chap two chapters here. Front and center, right there. Who is this all about? It's all about Jesus. It's about him. It's pointing us to him. Like if Jesus doesn't become a man and live a sinless life and then die on the cross for our sins, rise from the dead, proving that he's God, then nobody is worthy to save mankind. Nobody is worthy to save the universe. And then the eternal purposes of God cannot take place because no one is worthy. So as we keep going through this, we'll have fun studying through different things in Revelation. But again, let's not get fixated on these end time events. Let's not get caught up on who's the Antichrist, uh, what is the mark of the beast, you know, all, rapture, all that kind of stuff. We want to get fixated on the lamb who is worthy. And I said this last week, and I feel like it bears repeating again. 100 years from now, you and I will not be fascinated with end times events, but we will be fascinated with the one on the throne and the lamb who is worthy. Because 100 years from now, that is all that will matter, friends. We won't care who was right or who was wrong. It won't even be an issue. We'll just be fascinated and caught up and in awe of the one on the throne and the lamb who is 
worthy. We're going to look to him. We're going to worship him. We're going to live for him. And so as we end today, that's what we're doing. We're going to worship him. We're going to give worth to Jesus because he is worthy. That's what worship is, right? It's, it's giving worth to something. It comes from that old English word, worth-ship. Have you heard that? And so what we're doing through this worth-ship is we are giving God the worth that is due him. We're giving back worth to God. And here's the deal. We can give worth to many things in our life and put those things above God, but we want to give God more worth than anything in our life. He is worthy, friends. So the question is this. How much worth do you give to Jesus in your life? Are you giving him worth in every area of your life? How much worth do you really, really give him truly in your life? The Bible says one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. My encouragement to you is do it now before it's too late. One day everyone's going to recognize the worthiness and the worth of Jesus. Let's do it now. Let's lift him up and put him in his rightful place in our hearts and in our life as we worship here today and as we pray here today. And let me just throw this out there, guys. This, this Wednesday night, we're, we have an encounter night and just would invite you to come here again Wednesday night in the middle of the week and give worth to Jesus. Just give him some time, give him some space and seek him and give worth to the one who is worthy in the middle of the week. So here's a, a few next steps I want to throw out here before we go into our prayer and worship here. Just some practical things. Number one is this. Maybe you need to do this. Maybe you need to accept the sacrifice of the lamb and begin serving him. Because if you've never made that decision before, do it today. Accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. Ask for forgiveness. And begin serving him and watch what he does in your life. Number two is give Jesus worth in every area of your life. Every single part of your heart, giving him worth. Number three, I, I already said this, but just a practical one. Uh, come to encounter night. Just worship Jesus. Seek him, pray. Number four, make sure you pray kingdom-minded prayers. Kingdom-minded prayers. Not just, Jesus, would you take care of my kingdom and build my kingdom, but his kingdom. Pray those so why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet here. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.